That took faith, didn't it? It took faith to act on John's declaration. Behold the Lamb of God. It took faith to respond to Jesus. What are you looking for? In the midst of nervousness or uncertainty. But it took faith to follow where Jesus led, which wasn't to a cozy house. So they had to fight back. Is this really what I'm signing up for? Is this it? It took faith to reach out to someone else and invite them, come, come take a chance. You'll see. And I suspect it took faith to accept being renamed by an absolute stranger. You've been called this all your life long. Now you're going to be called this. Now, C.S. Lewis wrote this small section on this dimension of faith. C.S. Lewis, of course, was a 20th century British author. He was an atheist who converted to Christianity. His writings are so lucid so articulate and helpful. Now, he gets at this dimension of faith in this way. He says, you know, one sense of faith is what we call belief, accepting Christian doctrine is true. He said, but, you know, before I was Christian and even afterwards, it puzzled me why Christians called faith a virtue. How can there be anything moral or immoral about believing or not believing a set of statements? He said, you know, sane people obviously accept or reject any statement, not because he wants to or doesn't want to, but because the evidence seems good or bad. If the person were mistaken about the goodness or badness of the evidence, well, that wouldn't make him or her a bad person just a person that's not very clever. He said, you know, I still hold this. I still understand this is how we typically operate, is it not? We see the evidence, we judge it to the best of our determination, but that doesn't make it bad or good. He said, but what I didn't see, and what a lot of people don't see, he said, he said, I was assuming that if our mind accepts a thing as true, it will automatically go on regarding it as true until some real reason pops up for us to reconsider it. In other words, he was assuming that our mind is completely governed by reason. We see the evidence, and so that's what we do. He said, but it isn't so. And he offered some funny examples, at least I thought they were. One was anesthetics. He said, I know from evidence that when you're put out for surgery, that surgeon's not going to cut on you until you're totally out. He said, but that doesn't change the fact that when that mask goes on my head, I begin to fear what comes next and that maybe that surgeon is actually going to begin cutting just a little bit too soon. The evidence hasn't changed. Something else is at work. Or he said, you know, a man gets to know a pretty woman. 
And he discovers she's not only pretty physically, but she's a pretty little liar. And she can't hold confidence. And he's seen it time and again. And yet, when he's close to that pretty girl, something else begins to work on him, and he just can't help himself and divulge her something he shouldn't. The evidence hasn't changed. Something else has. And he wrote this. He said, for the Christian, there will come a moment when there's bad news, or he is in trouble, or is living among a lot of people who do not believe it. And all at once, his emotions will rise up and carry out a sort of blitz on his belief. Or else there will come a moment when he wants a woman or wants to tell a lie or feels very pleased with himself or sees a chance of making a little money in some way that is not perfectly fair. Some moment, in fact, at which it would be very convenient if Christianity were not true. And once again, his wishes and desires will carry out a blitz. I'm not talking of moments at which any real new reasons against Christianity turn up. Those have to be faced, and that's a different matter. I'm talking about moments when a mere mood rises up against it. It's a great observation. Last night after Mass, I was visiting with a couple of men from the parish who are both battling cancer. And I said, I thought of you guys when I said that tonight. Because having walked with them just a little bit, I know... There's no new evidence that's been brought forward that Christian doctrine is false or incoherent for you guys. But there's been other forces at work in your life in the midst of battling this disease. Has there not? And boy, they were nodding like that. Or after that, I met with a, a young couple who are experiencing infertility problems. Well, nothing has changed for Christian doctrine, but they're facing their own struggles to hold fast. Or guys, just think about when ministers of the church let the community down. Does that have anything to do with Christian doctrine? Does it have a force or an effect on us? Lewis said, now faith in the sense in which I'm here using the word is the art of holding onto things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. For moods will change whatever view your reason takes. I know that by experience. This rebellion of your moods against your real self is going to come anyway. That is why faith is such a necessary virtue. Unless you teach your moods where they get off, you can never be a sound Christian, but just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs really dependent on the weather and the state of its digestion. Consequently, one must train the habit of faith. And that's just what St. John of the Cross said. Faith is an obscure habit of the soul. It's an obscure habit of the soul. It's something that must be trained, like shooting free throws over and over and over. You do it again. So that when you get there, you're not thrown off by the crowd or the excitement or the nerves. It's why, kids, your parents draw you out of bed on a freezing cold day and bring you here to train you, to train you, to train you. Because there are forces at work within and without that will easily move you away.
let me leave you with this. Lewis wrote in the 1950s, far before Pew Research could have confirmed what he observed. First, he gives proscription. Here's how you can build up a life of faith so you can stand strong. And then he makes this insightful observation. The first step is to recognize the fact that your moods change. Well, we have sayings for that. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. The next is to make sure that if you have once accepted Christianity, then some of its main doctrines will be deliberately held up before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious readings and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And then here's his observation. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? We say fallen away Catholics. They're more numerous than active Catholics. Just think of the pandemic. Church is closed. You can view it online. It's so easy and comfortable and convenient. Who could miss this? And then it just became easier and easier. What? To miss that little online segment. I can still be spiritual and not participate there. It's true, isn't it? Unless we build up our life of faith and are intentional about it, boy, we are so susceptible to the winds that blow from within and from without. Friends, that's the logic behind what we started to do every year at this time. That is to be intentional about creating goals in our life as disciples for the coming year. In the pews, you will see little handouts like that. Would you pass them down the pew? They're meant to be one per family.